What is going on, Breakthrough Success listeners? Mark Bird, the business freelance writer here. In this episode, we're going to talk about communicating with today's cautious buyer in order to increase sales. There are a lot more skeptical buyers nowadays who are really slowing down the buying process. They have more skepticism and they want to make sure that they are getting an offer that resonates with what they expect. So in this atmosphere, we still need to make sales and we need to close more sales in less time. If you want to figure out how do you improve your selling process, this is going to be a great episode for you. Our guest who joins us today, he's a sales trainer and chairman of 7th Level, a global sales training company that has achieved extraordinary growth over the past few years. He is an Inc. Magazine contributor and author of The New Model of Selling, Selling to an Unsellable Generation. Our guest who joins us in this episode of Breakthrough Success is none other than Jeremy Miner. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me on there. You have you have that like radio vibe, that, that radio voice. I like it, man. So thanks for having me on your show. And uh, let's see if we can we can help some people and get them to communicate a little bit more effectively with with their prospects so they can help more people solve problems. That's what it's all about. Jeremy, it is such a pleasure to have you on Breakthrough Success. And when it comes to communicating with the people who may end up buying our offers, I think it's very important for us to first understand how the consumer has changed. I know you've mentioned that we have this unsellable generation. And yeah. I think you've seen even with uh, inflation, and other details, you've got people pulling back a little bit with yeah. their spending. So I'm wondering if you could yeah. just give us an idea of how today's uh, customer has changed and some yeah. of the ways we need to change our communication. Yeah, let's start. Let's start back with what you just said a second ago. Like the the consumer, because of inflation, the the rising cost of goods and services is holding on tighter to their money. So, if any of you were around back in two thousand eight, it was really two thousand nine, two thousand ten, because when the stock market and house house market crashed, that was like towards the very end of two thousand eight, like November, December two thousand eight. So, it really all like went to the bottom in two thousand nine, two thousand ten. And if you were a salesperson then or a business owner. You know that the people you're talking to really did not matter the industry, like became far more cautious about making the wrong buying choices, the right, the wrong buying decisions. Now that is happening right now as we speak, and it's only going to get worse over the next 12 months. So as a if you're a solopreneur listening to us right now, or if you're a salesperson or a coach or a consultant, you're already noticing that your laydown sales are not as many as they were even a year or two ago. Okay. So your lay down sales are going to start becoming less and less few and far between. And you're going to have people that are going to be far more skeptical, far more cautious. All right. So if you go back and I'll kind of give you a reference, if you go back to 2009, 2010. Okay. People started like holding on to their money, right? Like very, very quickly. So anytime that the economy is doing well, okay, it's easy as a solopreneur or whoever you are to get lazy in your sales process. But when there's an economic contraction, which is starting to happen now, like I said, it's going to get worse over the next 12 months, according to the experts uh, per se, any shortcoming in your sales process or your sales ability will only be magnified by 10 and it's going to get harder and harder and harder for you to close deals. So one of the reasons why that phenomenon is happening and getting worse every year, even if the economy sometimes is doing well, is because your prospects are 
getting used to being sold to 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And a lot of times when I say that to people, like if I'm doing a keynote or something, they'll be like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't get sold to all the time. Like I only have a couple of salespeople that call me during the week. But what they're not understanding is all the marketing messages that are selling to their brain constantly. Now, I'll give you an example of this, okay? So you wake up in the morning. Besides going to the bathroom, what's the first thing you do? You grab your phone. You get on so about that, right? See, we're all guilty. You grab your phone. You get on Instagram or IG or TikTok or wherever your favorite platform is. And you start scrolling down and you start seeing what? You start seeing ads trying to sell you something. Starts from the very first moment you wake up. You walk into the kitchen. You're like late for work or wherever you're going. And you turn on the TV while you're pouring your coffee. And you see what? Commercials trying to sell you something, right? You get in your car to drive to Starbucks or wherever you're going. And what do you see on the sides of the road? Billboards trying to sell you something. In fact, you also turn on the radio. Maybe you're a serious radio listener. And what do you hear? Commercials trying to sell you something. Then at lunchtime, you get back on your phone or it could be during workday and you start seeing you know, ads and you start seeing your aunt is pitching her latest, greatest network marketing opportunity. So you're constantly in pitch to and sold at 24 hours a day, seven days a week, unless you're like asleep. So because of that, human beings have built up a wall of resistance. Okay, that's in part of what's called a reptilian part of our brain. So, you know, 20,000 years ago, 100,000 years ago, a million years ago, whenever the first humans were put here on the earth, okay, there's, you know, nobody knows exactly what day and time, you, you're, you're part of your reptilian brain um, would trigger you to go into fight or flight mode when you're trying to protect yourself from like animals or tigers trying to eat you, okay? And that's still the same thing. Like when we're in danger, we have this like fight or flight mode. But it's also it also gets triggered by salespeople who we feel are trying to sell us something where we put up a wall resistance anytime we're, we feel like we're being sold to, okay? So because of that, uh, because what, have you ever heard of like, I'll give you an example. You ever heard of, you ever heard of Brandon Kane? He's the best-selling author of Hook Point, How to Stand Out in a Three-Second World. Yeah, yeah, I've heard. Yeah, that. so Brandon is one of our clients. We do all of the training for his salespeople and stuff. So in his book, uh, Hook Point, How to Stand Out in a Three-Second World, I would suggest everybody get that book if you're listening to it. So it's a great book for, for marketing. He talks about um, in our day and age, there are over 3 billion content creators. 3 billion content creators, okay? And when I say that, people are like, no, there's not 3 billion content creators. Well, well, if you really think about it, what's a content creator? It could be a 13-year-old junior high teenager, teenage girl on TikTok. You see, anybody, anybody that your prospects are watching on any social media channel is a content creator. They might not get paid for it, but whatever they're doing is drawing your prospects away from paying attention to what you're doing. So that's a content creator. Now, guess how many content creators there were 21 years ago? Take a random guess. I have to ask you. Oh, gosh. Uh, maybe 500,000 or a million? Your cut is a 1 million. There's about 1 million content creators 20 years ago. Okay. Now there's over 3 billion and that grow, that's numbers growing up every single day. All right. So we have to be able to, we have to know how to get our prospects attention because we can't, if we can't draw our prospects to even want to listen to us, to let their guard down, there's really no sale at the end of the day, if that makes sense. I mean, Jeremy brings up a lot of great points. One of the ones I'm going to focus on the most is this wall of resistance where we, it's no secret. We have all seen a lot of ads. We've all seen the five second YouTube ad. 
And each of those ads, each of those messages we see, it conditions us to resist the offer. We can continue on with our lives very easily, very seamlessly. Well, we all know that, right? We know we have many choices to choose the exact same product or service that any marketer or salesperson is trying to sell us. And that's just because of the power of the internet and especially social media. 20 years ago, we didn't have that. Like 20 years ago, the bridge between a company company solution and a, a, a consumer was you, the salesperson and people, you know, it was just normal to be educated by the salesperson about a product or service, but now it's completely flipped that game. So you can't like get away with being like some pushy, aggressive salesperson that just tries to push your way through and power through somebody because they know they have many choices to choose exactly what you're doing. Now, that doesn't mean that you're completely passive either. And you're like, well, uh, get back to me if you're interested. Like that's not going to work, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there's also this dynamic where even if you're not selling a product, like a freelance writer, if you're applying on a job board, you could be competing with 50 or 100 people for those different jobs that are there. So people are conditioned to read the applicants and reject them. Uh, But I'm wondering, how do we get the person looking at our ad or looking at our resume for a freelance writing gig? How do we get people to stop the scroll and actually pay attention to us instead of letting this wall that we are so good at building continue to hold strong? I mean, it's a little bit different in marketing and, and that type of stuff, but I'll give you a couple of suggestions. You, you, the, the way you stand out is focus, is, is focus mm-hmm. on the problems that the person that's reading that is having. Whereas most people I find that, you know, that place their, you know, their ad up for an interview or, or a job description, they're just mainly focused on all the great things they've done. But guess what? Everybody else is saying the same thing. So it's hard for, it's hard for the person looking at that. Like if you're on a job board, it's hard for them to like, see that you're different when everybody else is saying how great they are, right? They can hire a professional resume writer and make them look like Oprah when they just are really horrible, right? So what I would focus on is like a couple of problems, you know, like, hey, you know how, uh, so we call it like a personalized intro. You know how a lot of people get frustrated because of X and Y and Z? Like what frustrates the employer? You know how a lot of employers get frustrated by because of X and Y and Z? So what I do is I'm able to blah, 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 blah. Okay, that's called like a personalized intro where you don't tell them how great you are, but you tell them how what you do helps other business owners. And that kind of sticks out in a pro- in a business owner's mind if they're hiring like, oh, yeah, I have that problem. And, oh, that person is really good at solving that problem. So we want to start thinking more like a what we call problem finder and problem solver, whereas most salespeople have been conditioned and trained. It's not their fault have been trained to be called what we call product pushers, right? Uh, If they're on a sales call, let's say a solopreneur is on a sales call, they ask a couple of questions, right? Just surface level questions. And the prospect gives them like a surface level answer about a problem. And they're like, oh, well, let me tell you how we solve that. And they go right into their pitch, right? And then they're just, they don't understand at the end when the prospect's like, well, that sounds good. Uh, You know, if you can email me more information, uh, I need to think it over. I need to pray about it. I don't make rash decisions. I need to talk to my spouse. I need to talk with my friend who lives in a van down by the river. And they just, they don't understand why that's happening. All right. So as a problem finder, problem finding really means like asking the right questions at the right time in the conversation that triggers the prospect to realize they have far more problems they originally thought they had. And that's one thing is as a sales professional, or, you know, if you're a business owner listening to us, 
that we each have to understand is that most of your prospects, when you initially start talking to them, don't even realize they have a problem, okay? Or maybe they realize they have a problem, but they don't really know how bad that problem really is, right? Or maybe they don't understand the consequences of what happens if they don't do anything about solving the problem. So once you learn, and we can talk about it in a second, what we call NEPQ, now that stands for Neuro-Emotional Persuasion Questioning, okay? Once you learn how to work with human behavior, to trigger your prospects to want to engage and want to open up rather than try to get rid of you, okay? Not only can you help your prospects find one problem, but now you're going to be so good that you can help them find maybe two or three or four other problems they didn't realize they had. And when you're able to help your prospect see, here's where they're at, here's where they want to be, not by you telling them. That goes in one ear out the other. You're biased, you're the salesperson, but by your questioning ability allows them to see such a big gap from where they are compared to where they want them to be, that they automatically view you as more of the expert, more of like the trusted authority who can get them the results they want, even if you charge more than other people doing the same type of products or services. And the reason why they look at you that way is because no one else was able to help them go below the surface. They just ask surface level questions, get a surface level answer back, and then the call's pretty much over when they say, I want to think it over. So it's like, how do you get the prospect to want to open up? They're not just going to sit there and let you interrogate them with 50 questions like an FBI agent, okay? That shuts people down. But how do you use like verbal cues? Like when you're in the conversation and they're talking after you ask a question, instead of you just sitting back and listening to them and then at the end saying, okay, uh, cool, awesome, uh, that makes sense. Let me ask you totally sounds scripted. So while they're talking, you want to use what are called verbal cues and stuff like this. And it's really easy stuff. It's like, uh-huh. Ah, okay. Okay. But when you said, and that verbal cue leads me into the next question. Uh-huh. Ah, okay. But help me understand. Can you walk me through like what you guys do to generate new leads and clients now, just so I have a better understanding? See, that verbal cue leads me into the next question. What that does is called NEPQ bridging. We're bridging from question to question. So it makes the conversation sound like a real natural conversation, not a scripted interrogation with a bunch of questions. And you're going to notice your prospects just open right up to you. That's just a little example of what we call verbal cues. That helps. I mean, I like the idea of having less scripted conversations. For any sales call, you do want to have some type of scripting. Like you want to know the key questions you have to ask. But if you ask them in order, people can tell it's scripted. I get a lot of uh, emails saying that like um, you could tell the people reaching out to me, like whether it's they want to write a guest post for me or be on my show. They, it's very scripted. They they say they listen to my podcast. They didn't really listen to yeah. my podcast. They, they were just trying to add fluff. I mean, we, it's yeah. easy to see. Yeah, let me preference what I mean by that. I When I say that you're using verbal cues, bridging from question to question, you have to have a sales structure. You can't just wing your calls. Like you're not going to do, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to assure everybody. If you wing your calls and you don't have a script, we like to call them sales structures, you're, you're going to get punched in the face pretty quick. So let me preference it. It's like being a Hollywood actor or actress. Who's your favorite uh, actor or actress in Hollywood? Mm. What you got? Uh, I'll do an oldie, uh, uh, throwback, uh, William Powell. Who? William Powell. Like, oh, okay. William Powell. Yeah. I think that's, that's the name. So, okay. So I like, I like George Clooney, you know, Bradley Cooper, just any actor or actress you watch every single thing they say in that movie is what it's pretty much a hundred percent scripted. 
But does it sound scripted? No. Do you know why it doesn't sound scripted? Because they memorize their lines. And as a sales professional or solopreneur or whoever you are, if you want to really, really grow your business and, and grow your book of business, you have to memorize your lines. You have to memorize your questions because when you memorize your questions and you rehearse them like a Hollywood actor or actress, guess what? It sounds natural. It sounds real. It sounds authentic. If you just sit there and you're on Zoom or on a call and you're like, now tell me, John, um, what are two problems that keep you awake at night? Well, that sounds like a scripted robot. And they're just going to emotionally shut down very quickly because they feel like you're just asking the questions to sell them. But if I if I say something like this, let's say if I'm, I'm just going to throw out a random example. Um, let's say if I'm selling uh, business consulting, let's say I'm a business consulting a consultant and I'm talking to SMB you know, smaller companies, how to scale their business. My company goes in and help builds operations, systems, all that stuff. Let's just throw that as an example. So if I'm saying, now, John, can you, can you walk me through, like, what do you guys, like, what type of systems do you use now to like onboard your clients so I have a better understanding? Uh-huh. Ah, I see. Okay. And how long have you been using that for? Ah, well, I mean, what caused you to go with that system compared to the XYZ systems that are out there though? See, I'm asking questions on my script. But did, notice what I did there. I'm moving my hands. I'm moving my face around. I look up when I'm thinking about the question I'm going to ask. Now, I already know what I'm going to ask. But if I just sat there, how long have you been with that company? <laughs> okay, do you like the results you're getting? See, that doesn't sound real. But if, I, if I'm like a Hollywood actor, actress, and I'm about to ask a question, what do they do? They look up. Okay, but when you, when you said that... Can you unwrap that for me? I'm not understanding. See, see the tone there? Or if I'm leaning in, John, so help me understand. Let's say the prospect's not opening up in the conversation. And you know, if they don't open up and go below the surface, there's not going to be a sale there 90% of the time. If, if you don't open, if you can't get them to open up, they won't, okay? So I might lean in and, and hear my tone when I say this. Now, I'm not going to say it in a skeptical tone because that would like make somebody pissed. But if I lean in and I show concern and I say, so, John, um, between you and I and, you know, off the record, what's the main reason why you're looking for X, Y, Z? And you just repeat back the reason why they're on the car, the end result. Okay, let's say if I sold life insurance, I'm just going to throw random examples. So, John, between you and I and, you know, off the record, what's the main reason why you might be looking for more coverage for the family? Now, did you see how my voice like really lowered and it's more of a concerned voice? Like uh, I have empathy in that. Now, if I said that, well, John, hey, between you and I and off the record, what's really the reason you're, see, I'm going to get a completely different response. So it's all in my tone there. So certain questions you have to ask, you have to learn how to have more of a concerned tone. Other questions you ask, you might be more of a curious tone. Other questions might be more of a skeptical tone like a challenging tone. So once you learn that, okay, you're going to notice your prospects open up to you really quickly based on how you're asking the question, how you're delivering that. And when it sounds natural, and these are all acquired skills, I can assure everyone, I wasn't born out of my mother's womb with advanced questioning skills. Was anybody on here? Anybody born out of your mother's womb with advanced tonality skills? I know I wasn't. Anybody born out of your mother's womb with advanced objection handling and prevention skills? No, those are acquired skills. You learn those skills. 
The problem is if you don't learn them, you just lose sales that you could be making. Hopefully that helps. I mean, the tone is very valuable because it's part of the first impression, especially when you're on the call. Like being on a call with someone is very different from just reading a blog post because yeah, you get to see the eyebrow go up. You get to see the look away. Uh, you get to see all these different uh, sure. verbal and nonverbal cues that impact the sale. Jeremy, yeah. I know we went into a lot on tone. Is yeah. there any other part of the selling process that you feel is critical to master in addition to the tone to break the skepticism? Uh, well, yeah, it's so what we call, has everybody on here, heard, you've heard of like the ABCs of closing, right? ABCs of closing, always be closing. Glenn Gary, Glenn, Glenn Ross, right? He's up on the chalkboard, Alec Baldwin. He's like, put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers. How can I communicate to you listening to me right now that the ABCs of closing, like that way of thinking is actually causing you to lose deals you could be making. Okay, how can I communicate to that with everybody on here without you getting upset with me? See, in, in our day and age, ABCs of closing, following that mantra where selling is adversarial, where it's you against the prospect, trying to win them over, manipulate them, trick them into buying. That's what average salespeople do. Top 1% salespeople who make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in commissions or more would never do that because they would be limited on what they could make. Because what happens when you do that, especially from the beginning of a conversation, is it does what? What does sales pressure do to a, any type of prospect? Most of a prospect, unless they're a lay down sale, you know, Brian Tracy says it best. Every, 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 uh, every blind, you know, every squirrel eventually, or what every blind squirrel eventually finds a nut. I mean, that's true, right? You can eventually find a nut that just like a lay down, but what about the other 98% of your, your people you're talking to, okay? So selling, if you wanna be a top 1% earner as a, a business owner or a salesperson, you, we have to understand that selling is collaborative. It's you working with your prospects to help them find and solve problems to get them the results they want. And when you start thinking that way, your words that you start using change, okay? You become more neutral. Like one thing that I think a lot of people have heard, everybody's heard of like this fight or flight thing, right? You know, uh, what's the, I was just reading about it this morning. Uh, Dr. Walter Cannon uh, was a Harvard professor. I mean, you're talking decades ago who originally came up with the concept of fight or flight. Like what triggers fight or flight mode in our brain? So when we come across in our sales conversations or any interaction, if we, if we come across aggressive, especially if we come across really, really excited when we're selling one-to-one, -one, okay, like overly excited, like a used car salesman, no pun intended, we train a lot of car dealerships, but that mantra is there. If we come across needy, and everybody knows what I mean by that, because you can, you can feel when you're needy on a sales call, right? Everybody can feel that. And you come across, uh, let's say, attached, and you don't understand the right questions to ask, you don't understand the right tone, it triggers the brain to, like I said, go into what's called fight or flight mode. And that's why you get responses like, um, hey, you know, I'm busy. Can you just call me back later? Or uh, even though they booked a time with you or, uh, you know what, second thought, we're not interested or no, we are to use a company for that. Or, hey, can you enough with the question? Just get to the point. Tell me how much it's going to cost. Now, tell you if I'm interested. It's not like the prospect woke up that day and said, you know what, when the salesperson asked me a question, I'm going to go into fight or flight mode. That is a triggered reaction that you, the salesperson or business owner, are triggering by the words you're using, okay, and how you're coming across. 
Okay. And the questions you're asking, okay. Are they rhetorical questions that they're like, well, duh, of course, you know, you can't ask rhetorical questions because it just triggers them to emotionally shut down. So once you learn how to come across more, let's say neutral and unbiased, like you're not, you're not quite sure you can even help yet, especially in the beginning, because you don't know anything about their situation. When you come across in that tone, that manner, more collective, more calm, and especially detached, you understand the right questions to ask. It triggers the brain to become curious enough where they want to engage. They want to open up to you because they feel like you might have something important for them. Okay. So that's what I would say as a, as a sales professional or business owner, you have to start thinking that selling is collaborative. Okay. What problems do your prospects have? Okay. Why do they have the problem? Like, what is the root cause? Like a lot of people can find out a problem from a prospect, but they don't know how to probe and clarify to find out the root cause of the problem, okay? When you help the prospect find out the root cause, it triggers the prospect to become more emotionally attached to the problem and then wanting to do something about the problem, especially when you're able to help them find out what the problem is doing to them even personally, once you're able to take them to that level, okay, you're triggering emotional drivers in their brain. That gets them into their emotional state. You're, you're familiar with Tony Robbins, right? Yes. Watch what Tony does when he goes off the stage. There's a reason why he does what he does. Everything he's doing when he's walking around is all for a reason. It's not just random. Like, oh, I think I'm just going to go down on the stage when I ask this question. It's all... It's all like, I want to say scripted, but it's all planned, if that makes sense. And there's certain questions that he asks and you're, you're seeing the audience, like when a member gets up and they're starting to cry because he's triggering their emotional drivers. He's getting them into their emotional state. That's where human beings make buying decisions. They don't make buying decisions from logic. Okay. They make them hundred percent emotion. Now, I think I might've went off on a tangent. Is there anything else you want me to ask you on that? <laughs> I mean, we have covered a lot of ground, but I think one of the main things here is I think the always be closing mentality can, there are elements of this that are definitely a numbers game, but if you think of them too much as numbers and not as people who have genuine uh, problems they want to solve, uh, yeah. that's where the issues come versus understanding yeah. the person. Sometimes you just absolutely may not be able to help them and you shouldn't try to yeah. sell someone who you know you absolutely cannot help. So I think that's a- well and here's here's what I mean by that. I, I do not mean you're getting on your calls and it's not your agenda to make a sale or at least progress it to a sale. It, obviously, if these people have responded to an ad or they booked on your calendar, obviously they have a some type of problem. Otherwise, they would have never responded to your ad, right? They're not just going to rant like, you know what? I don't have any problems or issues, but I think I'm just going to dedicate 30 minutes or 45 minutes of my life to get on a sales call. Like nobody's going to do that, right? So there's something going on there. But the, we have to keep that to ourselves, all right? We want to make the sale, but you have to keep that internal. Most salespeople wear that on their sleeve, right? They get so emotional and needy and attached and aggressive that the prospect picks up on that. And I can assure everyone, they don't like the commission breath. Right? They can smell your commission breath from like 10 miles away, all right? So we got to get rid of the commission breath, okay? You got to understand that selling is all about change. It's about how good you are at getting the prospect to view in their mind that by changing their situation. Now, what does that mean? That means purchasing what you're offering. That is a change. By them doing that, that is far less risky for them than them doing nothing at all, staying in the status quo. The problem stays the same, if not worse, and nothing ever changes. Now, which is more risky? 
Okay. So whether a prospect is wanting something better or they're moving away from pain, it's all about one thing and that's change. All right. Now here's the problem. Everybody should, oh, this is just behavioral science 101. I'm a behavioral science junkie. Selling is all about change, but human beings don't like change. Let me repeat that. All sales is change. Yet human beings don't like change, even though we say we do. And why do we not like change? Okay, because it makes us feel uncomfortable, especially when it's initiated by some pushy salesperson who's ready to pitch their solution quickly in a conversation. So human behavior repeatedly shows that we value something that is more familiar to us, even if we don't like it that much, compared to something that is new to us, something that is foreign, maybe unknown to us. And think about this psychologically. We always wonder, we always have that friend or relative that's being abused by maybe somebody they're dating or their spouse. They're being physically abused, mentally abused, verbally abused. And don't you always wonder like, why do they keep going back? Do you know why? Because they're a human and they're afraid of change. They're afraid of the unknown, even though they don't like what they already have. That is what's going on in the prospect's brain. So going back to the ABCs of closing, we have to learn a concept called the ABDs of selling. We skip the C, ABDs, always be disarming. I don't mean cutting somebody's arm off. I mean, how do you disarm the prospect from the very first words out of your mouth and questions you're asking? How do you disarm them from the very beginning to the middle of your sales process to the end when that transaction is complete, okay? Because we have to get them to let their guard down. Because as you know, Mark, if the prospect keeps their guard up, well, what did they do the entire sales process? They stay surface level. They never open up. They give you three or four word answers to even the very best questions you ask. And then at the end, I want to think it over. I need to talk with my spouse more. I need to talk more with my partners. You know, I need to talk with my finance person. I need to talk with my accountant. I need to talk with my, you know, and there's all these excuses, even though they have problems that your solution can solve. So once you learn the right things to say, you learn the right questions to ask. Selling becomes very easy at that point. I mean, the consumer dynamic is constantly changing. And as salespeople, we have to change as well in order to adapt and increase our sales. Jeremy has provided a lot of great insights throughout our time in this episode. Jeremy, I wonder if you could share with us some of the places we can follow your journey and some resources you have. For us. Yeah. You know, the best place to follow us, like we'll give you guys some free resources. Um, you can go to one of our Facebook groups. Have everybody go to one of our Facebook groups. Uh, have them go to salesrevolution.pro. So salesrevolution.pro. I think we have 40 some thousand uh, members in there. We started that about a year ago. That thing's going rapidly. They're just, they're salespeople in there. They're solopreneurs, coaches, consultants, all sorts of people that are, you know, wanting to get better at sales. So go in there, um, have them check their DMs uh, once they join. We'll have some, I'll have somebody on my team uh, message them over a free training called the, uh, I will give them the, I'll give them the NEPQ 101 mini course. Okay. It's just a, it's just a small course. We'll give it to them for free. It's just a list of different questions they can use for different sales situations that will help them sell more. And um, in the group, we go live two or three times a week, different Q and A's, different subject matter training. We give them little nibbles in the group, like little little hors d'oeuvres, little appetizers. Then they want more advanced training like our clients are in, like with our virtual training platforms or um, you know, our group training that we have. They can just message us in there and they can learn more about that in the future if they want to. But we'll give them some free stuff first. That work? Sounds like a great resource. Breakthrough success. Make sure, breakthrough success listeners, make sure you join Jeremy's Facebook group. You will learn a lot about selling. 
I always like to say the episode is a teaser of the value that the guests can provide. So definitely make sure you check out that group. We'll have the link in the show notes. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us on Breakthrough Success. It was a pleasure to have you here today. Pleasure's all mine, Mark. Have a good day. Stay, stay, stay warm out there, man. <laughs>